Do you know, I've discovered as I've read the New Testament, and, and, and possibly all of you have discovered as you read through the New Testament, that the Sea of Galilee was prominent in the things that happened in the disciples' lives. The Sea of Galilee, you remember the time uh, when um, Jesus sent the disciples off in a boat and he went up on a mountain and prayed for most of the night. In the early hours of the morning, he walking across the Sea of Galilee and uh, the disciples thought he was a ghost. Remember that time and, and that story unfolded and of course he wasn't. He says it's I and, and, and all that happened for them and they saw that Jesus could walk on water. There was the time, of course, Jesus walked on water and Peter said, if it's really you, Lord, make me to come on the water. Remember that story? And Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on water for, a, for a, you know, I don't know how many meters he walked on water before he started to focus on the storm itself, on the wind and the waves at least. And then, of course, there's the story of, uh, of when Jesus um, healed these two men who were in the graves. Uh, sorry, they, were, they lived in the gravesite of this particular town, and, the, and, he, and he cast the demons out of them. The demons went into the pigs, and all the whole herd of pigs ran down the hill and into the sea. Remember that? And so many times uh, the Sea of Galilee is reflected in the New Testament as a place where God done business with the disciples and done business with the people. Remember on the, the, the lake, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he fed the thousands and so it's prominent. And whenever you look, and, and here's another one of the Sea of Galilee, Mark chapter 4. Um, we see this passage here. In actual fact, Matthew shares this same story in five verses, and Luke shares it in four verses, what, uh, uh, what Mark does in this number of verses. And it's like Mark was more descriptive than the others. And, and, and he just shares this story. But it's like the Sea of Galilee was where business things, ha when things happened and lives unfolded and many things were taught to the disciples and to the people around the Sea of Galilee. And, you know, the Sea of Galilee is really the place for several of the disciples. It was, their, it was the fishing grounds for them before they were disciples. It was their place of work. It was their place of mind. And you know what? I often find that, you know, that God does business with us, not just in this place in church, but through the week in our places of work and places of home life and, and, and places. And, you know, God isn't. And so I, I just want to encourage us that as much as God may be here, as you sense him when we corporately worship, God is also there, you know, when you go into the workplace. So when we go back out the door tonight, we, we don't need to just, and I know we don't do this consciously, but sometimes, you know, oh, well, <laughs> I go into the work, but God wants you to be there. It's like you see of Galilee. He wants to do business in your life as well, in the places that you live and move and have your being. And uh, here's one of the things we see with the disciples in this story. Uh, let me read it to you. It just says, in Mark chapter 4, 33, and with many such parables, he's, Jesus spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. I'm just going to swap over microphones. Without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were, uh, and when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. Now, <coughs> so on the same day when evening had come, he said to the disciples, let's go across over to the other side, talking about jumping a boat and going across the Sea of Galilee. And when they had left the multitude, so they'd be ministering to the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. Another little boats were also with him. 
And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling up with water. Um, but he was in the stern on the back part of the boat asleep on a pillow. And when they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Um, great question. And then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Um, great passage of Scripture. Great passage of Scripture. It's interesting, but verse 33 and 34 of this passage talks about how Jesus spoke in parables and he spoke in stories to a lot of uh, the people that he ministered to, always speaking in stories and parables. And even to the disciples, he would go away when they were alone by himself and explain the parables to them. But you know, um, as much as Jesus spoke in parables, I find also that he used uh, circumstances to speak to his disciples as well. He spoke parables to them to teach them, but he, he outplayed that in real life, as I've already intimated, he outplayed that often sometimes on the Sea of Galilee, in the place where I suppose you could say the rubber meets the road, where we do life. And it's not just, and, and, and so sometimes you'll pick up God's word and, and, and as you've just been spending time in prayer, God's word will just speak to you or it'll just say something of value or it'll just say something that really hits your heart. There'll be just some revelation. But I've discovered that a lot of the time too, that God will not only speak through his word, he'll speak through the circumstances of your life. And you know what I've discovered most is when I'm listening most is when I'm in the valleys sometimes that I hear more accurately. <laughs> because sometimes when I'm on the hilltops, I'm happy to just let God kind of be there and I'll be here and it's okay, God. We really, you know, I really, to be honest, I don't say it consciously, but I can say I really don't need you right now. I'm doing okay. And so on the hilltops is fine or when everything's going okay, but I hear more accurately in the valley. It's because I've got nothing else to distract me because I really need, as that song said tonight, to cry out to him. And so <clears throat> this is one of those situations, valley circumstances for the disciples, whatever we'd like to call it. It was just a difficult time for them. And they're in the boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Please get a picture of the Sea of Galilee. I mean, it was a big sea, okay? It might look small on the map in comparison to the land mass around it, but, you know, you get out in the Sea of Galilee... And, you know, it was quite deep and it was quite wide and long. And so that sea could kick up a real hunk of a storm when it wanted to. Um, so we see that uh, Mark gives details that the other um, gospel writers don't give. And, and he says things like Jesus was asleep on a pillow. Classic statement. Yeah. Why would he be asleep on a pillow? It just... I, I, you ever thought about that? What does it really point to? And I... I think the, the reality is it points to the fact that Jesus was hum human. It shows us the humanity of Jesus. Because often we see the deity of him. Often we see Jesus in his, in his incredible ability to heal and be God and do miracles. But sometimes we just need to see that Jesus was uh, also someone who got tired. He was human, wasn't he? His humanity. And I think we see a great picture here that he was so tired. Have you ever been so tired you'd just fallen asleep on the most... Un un you know, most, sometimes you wouldn't normally fall asleep there, but you just fell asleep there. You know, you're so tired. I was, I've been so tired sometimes, I've come to the traffic lights in the afternoon, sun's coming down, and the, and the lights are particularly maybe a little longer than normal, well, I thought they were, and I've actually just drifted off, sitting at a stoplights. <laughs> you know, you get tired, you know you're tired when that happens. 
And, you know, so we might find it difficult to think that Jesus could sleep in the midst of a storm. But, you know, hey, we all get tired. And I think it shows us the humanity of Jesus. And because we love the deity of Jesus, but, you know, the humanity points to the fact that he come amongst us to be human so he could identify with us. So what an incredible Savior we have. He just wants to be, understand that he faced the things we faced, even tiredness and dropping off in the most unusual places. So the story begins, of course, and, um, and the order is to go to the other side. Jesus says, we, you're going to go to the other side. And, you know, you've heard me say many times that Jesus often gives us a command. He just doesn't always fill in the details between here and the other side. Sometimes we, we see the vision or we see the focus or we see where we need to go. But between here and there can be some difficulty. In actual fact, don't get surprised at that, folks, because anything worth fighting for is going to mean you're going to have to put some effort in, isn't it? And some things in life you're going to have to, you know, if you're going to fight for your marriage, you're just not going to say, oh, no, devil, you can have it, I'll just give up. No, you're not. You're going to fight for something, haven't you? If you're going to fight for, you know, things that are important, your children, man, don't give up because God says, come on, put some effort in. Between here and the other side, here and when everything gets better, there can be some storms, there can be some things you're going to have to fight through. And it could be the storm that you weren't thinking was going to happen, but, you know, it's happening and unfolding. Because the other side is great. There's no storms there. And here is no storms, you know, but the reality is that you've got to go through it. And, and to be able to get to the, re the result that you want. Um, it happens. And the thing is that we see that um, the disciples in the midst of the storm, it blows up. I mean, they're experienced, some of them have experienced fishermen. Some of them are men that are, you know, they know they've been in storms. But this storm is obviously a little bit more worse than normal. And so you notice they say, don't you care? They wake Jesus says, don't you care, Jesus? Um, and, and the truth is, is that we need to just put that one to rest right now because I want you to understand. It's a question that we can all ask sometimes. You can ask God, God, do you really care for me? Because when you've been between here and the other side and you're in the storm, you say, God, do you really care? Do you really care for my kids? Do you really care for me? Do you really care for this circumstance? Do you really care? Um, we all ask that question. It's a good question. I don't think God minds us asking that question. But I think we just got to settle in, in our hearts that Jesus does care. Reality was he cared enough to go to a cross, didn't he? He cared enough to die on a cross for humanity. I mean, that is the ultimate care and love. That's the ultimate thing that he can do. He cares. Uh, you know, I know that we may in the future still have those times of saying, God, do you really care? Someone dies in your family or something happens. It's just, it's just not fair. <laughs> it's just not right. And you can ask that question, but can I, can I ask you tonight, if there would ever be anything that you do tonight that you settle in your heart, that your God cares. He, he cares enough that he went to a cross to die. Um, man, he died. He cares. Does he really care for my ill health? Does he care for my grief, my pain, my storms? He cares. And just because your storm hasn't been sorted out yet, it doesn't mean he doesn't care. It's just that he has a purpose in everything and he wants you just to trust him as Shah was saying tonight from the stage, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will what? Direct your paths. You know, it doesn't talk about storms there, it just talks about he'll direct your paths, whether you're going, you're going for the, the good times or the bad times, he still wants to direct your paths. 
We often forget that in the storm, that he wants to direct our path. And it says, lean not unto your own understanding. But what it does, what it, it, as much as the scripture, sometimes what it doesn't say is just as important what it says. And what it doesn't say, but this is what it really means. Lean not unto your own understanding, but lean into him. Lean into him. Lean into him because he wants you to. And uh, he will direct your path. See, settle in your hearts that he cares for you. Um, let's never underestimate. Let's also never underestimate each other's storms. And, and let's not just say, my storm is bigger than yours. Now, I, I know we literally don't do that, but we can think it sometimes. You know, it's a bit like saying, oh, well, storm? It's not a storm. I'll show you a storm. You know, we just need to be appreciate that what we're going through is real. And all of us are facing someone, what some, one person faces in the sense of a problem or a storm issue. It, it might seem small to you, but to them, it's a major thing. And Jesus never, uh, never underestimates. He doesn't think any storm is insignificant. In 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, come and cast all your cares, uh, anxiety on me because I care for you. And, and so we've got to appreciate each other. What we all go through may be different. And what, you've, what someone else is going through, you've been through maybe some time ago and think, well, that's really not a problem. But you're pro that you're not, you, you haven't come through that problem to look at someone and say, oh, gee, wake up. No, you'll come through that problem so you can identify and help them through because you've come through as well. And so, you know, that's how the body of Christ works. So let's not abandon each other in our storms, hey? You know, Jesus didn't abandon the disciples if Jesus could walk on water, he could have just woken up and said, well, guys, sort this one out for yourself and jumped out of the boat and walked across the shore. But he didn't do that. He stayed in the boat. That's significant, isn't it? He stayed in the boat. And Jesus, uh, and you know, if there's something I found about Jesus, storms happen, but Jesus is in your boat still. <laughs> He's in the boat still. His storms still. We can think I'm right. I have... You know, and the truth is, the truth is, we can think, well, Jesus is in my boat. You know he's on your side, and you're on his side, and I'll be right. But I've discovered things that storms still happen with Jesus in your boat. Just because you're, you're going well with him doesn't mean, and I haven't got all of the theology on storms, but I do know that Jesus is not about to abandon us in the midst of it. It's important that we consider the realities of that, and, um, and, and, and you know... <laughs> Sometimes we can don't make assumptions about as a, a kind of you know I can take this thought a bit further. Don't make assumptions about each other, and sometimes we can get a little bit of that, uh, you know, sometimes that legalistic relig religious thing, and say, look, brother, if sister, if you only just upped your prayer time from twenty minutes to thirty-five, you you wouldn't be in this problem. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes storms happen. You know. Uh, you could say, well, you know, if you read your Bible, you wouldn't be in that storm. Uh, not necessarily at all. We can't put this formula on each other. And sometimes as Christians, we've got to, we've got to get rid of that, that element of, of Pharisaic legalism. And, just, and realize that we all face storms at different times. And you know, matter, no matter what you think the reason is, yeah, unless the Lord gives you a clear word, you know, we need to understand that that's not going to help anybody just saying, come on, get your act together. Uh, you know, Hannah, there's a lady in the Old Testament, she had a storm. She, she couldn't bear a child. She was barren. If you read the story, 1 Samuel, and she got desperate and she made it cry to God and God gave her a son, Samuel the prophet. So th there's numerous illustrations. Daniel, in the lines, Daniel had a storm. 
He, caught, he was caught worshipping the, the one true creator, God. He wasn't supposed to be. And he was thrown into a lion's den, came through alive. That's a pretty good storm to come through, isn't it? You know, I love that. Daniel, he, you know, God didn't say to him, you know, if you worship me, I'll make sure that you never get thrown in that lion's den. <laughs> Wouldn't it be good if God gave us this little clause? If you worship me and pray to me, you'll never have a problem. Oh, would that be great? But, you know, re reality is, is that problems create, can create incredible character and trust in Him. As I said before, sometimes your prayer is the strongest when your life is the weakest. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had a storm. Uh, and because they wouldn't worship the king's idol or worship the idol of the king, the king said, oh, sorry guys, you're in the fiery furnace. And uh, we know that they were even willing to be burnt up and say, well, if God looks after us and keeps us, we'll come out alive. If he doesn't, that's okay. We, we'll just go wherever God takes us. I think, they th I think they realized there was a heaven in those days. So they were willing to go with God. So storms, even, I'm just glad storms happen even with Jesus in our boat. And, but, you know, I've discovered something about my life and that sometimes, sometimes I'm in the boat and the waves are breaking over and I feel awful wet. But I... I, I I think that I'm sunk, and I haven't sunk at all. I'm still afloat. It's just the boat's got a bit of water in it, and I'm wet. There's a lot of difference between wet and sunk. Would you agree? You know? And uh, these guys were soaked. The waves were crashing, and Jesus was... I mean, Jesus himself must have been a bit on the wet side. And I don't think um, we... You know, we, we need to realize that the reality is it's imperative that we understand the difference between soaked and being sunk are two different things. Um, don't, don't get them confused. When they, there may come a day when it seems like, it, like the storm, it's insurmountable odds are against you, and, you need, and it just seems it's too much, and it's, just been, it's been going on for too long. Well, that might be the breaking point for you, just to say, God, and God says, yeah, I'm here. I've been waiting for you to talk to me. I've been waiting for you to reach out to me. Now, does God put storms in our life? Oh, no, I don't for a moment believe he does. Do, do those things, does he allow those things? Yeah, I think he must. But he doesn't do it to us. He just knows, he just knows that he'll not let you be tempted or pull down beyond your ability to remain firm. Isn't that wonderful what scripture says? He knows what we need. He loves us. You know, maybe tonight you were looking for um, a really wonderful message. But, you know, this is a wonderful message because if we can grasp it and understand the reality of how much our God loves us, and in the, in that it's imperative that we understand that the devil would love us to think that we're just sunk and we're drowned and we're dead and we're gone when really just really wet. We're really wet. And don't get confused because you're still afloat and Jesus is in your boat. And he will do what he'll do if you just submit to him. There's a guy called Jonah. And Jonah was in his boat. And the storm was pretty bad. And finally it all came to a head. And he said to the other sailors, just throw me overboard. and It'll be peaceful here. Because I'm the problem. I'm the one running away from God. And so God threw Jonah overboard. Well, no, God didn't do it. <laughs> the sailors did. And Jonah started to float. And he thought he was sunk. Would you agree? He thought, I'm going to the bottom. This is the last I'll see of life. I'm finished. That's okay. I've done the wrong thing. I run away from God and God wanted me for a purpose.
But you know what? He wasn't sunk. He was just very, very wet. (laughs) And he went to the bottom of the sea. Well, he didn't get to the bottom, did he? Because God sent a big fish that swallowed him. And uh, to be honest, swimming in the belly of a fish is better than not swimming at all because you're dead at the bottom of the sea. Would you agree? And, and, and um, even though it may have been difficult for Jonah, after three days and three nights, he was in the belly of that whale. And it says um, that God finally, uh, and uh, you know, instead of lifting maybe his hands in frustration and anger at God, he lifted his hands in worship, if you read Jonah's account of the story. And God got the fish to spit him out on the beach. And he walked into Nineveh and a whole group, a whole massive city came to the Lord and repented. I'd repent too if I saw a white starched man walking into a city. <laughs> Probably gastric juices had made his skin pretty white after three days. But you know what? He didn't get digested. He got spat out because he lifted his hands, not in anger to God, not in frustration, but in worship to him. And you know the storm, and I want to encourage us to realize there's a difference between soaked and wet. And uh, we've got to continue to realize it because the devil continually wants to lie to you and say, you're, 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 you, you, you know, um, you're sunk. That's what I mean, soaked and sunk or wet and sunk. You're sunk. You've got no future, no hope, no way out of this. You're always going to be caught in this habit. You're always going to have this problem. You know, there's people here tonight that there's some things you just want to keep on. You keep on saying no to, but God says, I want to break the power of that over your life. And you don't have to continue to live in that. I want, to, you know, I want to do something victorious in your life. I want to break through in your heart and life. And, and you're not sunk. You're not finished. You're not wiped out. There's a future and a hope. And God says what he, Jeremiah said. He says, hey, I, I, I'm not here to, I'm here to bless you. I'm here to give your life a hope and a future. I'm not here to curse you. I'm here to bless you. That's what God wants to say tonight. And the last thing the devil wants you to do is to lift your hands in prayer to him. The first thing he wants you to do is lift your hands in frustration and anger. But the last thing the devil wants you to do is to lift your hands in, in, uh, in prayer to our God and cry out to him. And you know, the truth is with storms, you've got to be careful that the storm doesn't embra- take your whole attention. Because what has your attention has your life. What you give whole, a lot of attention to will be what your life looks like. So if you have good stuff come in, you have good stuff come out. But if you have garbage in, garbage will finally come out. And you've got to realize, man, where did that garbage come from? Well, folks, it didn't come from anywhere else but allowing you allowing the garbage in in the first place. So you've got to realize what has your attention has your life. And so in the midst of this extreme storm where seasoned fishermen are fearing for their lives, Jesus, we find, is sleeping soundly. That's a pretty amazing. And it's, it's, it's possible If we follow the example of our Savior and Lord, it's possible to sleep and have peace in the midst of storms. It is possible. It takes Him, allowing Him to invade our hearts and lives. But He can give you peace in the midst of your storms. Just like Jesus slept in the back of a boat as the wind and the waves washed over that boat. Um, I don't believe that this passage of Scripture we see here tonight would be there if it wasn't possible. Why would they say Jesus is sleeping on a pillow? Besides the showing us his humanity and that he was tired, the fact that it said that he was out to it, he was peaceful, 
and all hell is breaking loose around him. Seasoned fishermen are battling this boat, trying to keep it afloat. Waves are breaking over, the boat's filling up with water. They're fearful for these lives. They're not just kind of like, oh, well, yeah, we'll get over this. I mean, they are thinking we're not going to survive. Have you ever been at a time when you thought, I'm not going to survive? There's a couple times I've looked back and thought, God, if you hadn't intervened, I'd be dead. Have you ever thought that? And thought, Father, man, if I'd just been there three seconds earlier, I'd be dead. Or if I, you know, I could always remember Michelle and I driving along Chapel Street once, in a, in, and to cut a long story short, a car, a big ute with a big bumper bar turned in front of us, and we had to react so quickly. Michelle was driving. And, 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 she, and we just had to, all we had was time to divert around the car and just get around the front of it. And it kept on coming towards us. And I'm literally, folks, I, to this day, I don't know how, because I'm on the driver, uh, passenger side. And this bumper bar was literally centimeters from us. And it, and it didn't have time. It didn't even put its brakes on because it all happened so quick. And we just got around this car and I said, Father, man, if that car had hit us, I don't know where I would have been <laughs> today. You know, th- look, you can give us stories too, but I just want you to, um, I don't know why, what are we talking about that for? <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> it's not even in my notes, must be. <laughs> so Jesus, what was it about? Keep going, good. Because Jesus is asleep, and you know, he's on this pillow, and he's sound asleep. He, he's, he, he is, a, he is a, the epitome of peace in the midst of a storm. And I want to tell you, it's possible. I want to tell you that, you know, the reality is in life, you're always coming into a storm or going out of a storm, aren't you? <laughs> Sometimes they're just little ones. But you know, what, what grows in your life is why you, you, it's just like it's a little blip on the radar now because you, you've got God's presence and God's enabling power and His Word firmly in your heart and faith has risen and grown in your life. And so that storm is nowhere near as big as it used to be for you. It's just a keep on going. It's okay. God's gonna, you know. It's several times on the streets on a Saturday night, early Sunday morning, when we've been with night chaplain. It's not in my notes, but it, it must be applicable. You know, I've been with night chaplain. There's times when I thought this is going to end in tears. And for those who've been night chaplains, maybe you've not had these experiences, but I have. I don't know why they pick on me, these drunk people. But anyway. Only about two months ago, I was walking down towards my place, nightclub. It was about one o'clock in the morning, and this big guy comes up to me. He's got this biggest smile. I'm glad he had the smile. He is totally drunk. And he says, I love you. I said, oh, that's a good start. And he grabs me. He grabs me around the waist, and he just picks me straight up. And, and he proceeds to walk up the main street with me. My head is about eight feet in the air. And I'm thinking, if he trips over, this is going to end in tears. And I'm saying, God, God. And I wasn't going to struggle. I thought, if I struggle, he'll lose his balance. Thankfully, about three meters, four meters, which seemed like eternity to me, he just let me go and dropped me. And I landed on my feet and said, he said, I love you. I said, that's okay. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> just, just under my breath, don't love me so much. I just think, you know, some things could, you know, just God's protection, God's hand. I had three guys get me in the middle of their little group. 
had decided I was the ping pong ball. And I just, and they were all having fun. They weren't trying to be nasty. They were just happy and drunk and decided I'd become their center of attention. They just pushed me around. <laughs> After they'd finished with me, thankfully, I found a gap and slipped out. And, they, you know, there's just times like that. And I know there's these situations that we, that we find. You know, I remember even before I'd done night chaplaincy, many, many years ago, I sat in the gutter with a very drunk guy at the Harbour Festival. And as I, as I sat there, he was very angry about life. And he looked at me and says, I'm going to punch you. <laughs> and, you know, straight away I felt <laughs> this peace in my heart. And I, was, and I moved up real close to him because I thought, less leverage. You know, he <laughs> it's not easy to punch a guy when you're right there. So the further away, he can really get a swing, you know. So I sat right up to him. And I just... And I just said to him, that's okay, God loves you. And it kind of diverted his attention. And, in, and he never touched me. We talked about life. He cried and everything and, you know, and all those type of things. But I just thought, Father, you're so good. Uh, so good. So I could just keep on going. Stories. We can have peace in the midst of some of the most ridiculous circumstances, hey? We can, and it's when we, you know, every one of us need the pillow of God. Every one of us need a pillow because you're going to be in the storm sometime. And, you know, the, probably the reason you're here is you all realize that tonight. But, I, you know, I wanna, my prayer is that you'll come through with even greater faith. And my prayer is, is that whatever you face, that just faith will rise. And the devil won't steal from you what, he, what God wants to plant in you. And that is faith to see, see mountains moved and situations changed and peace and everything that God wants to do. I just think it's important. Um, maybe today, uh, you know, you feel the reality of the, the weight of a storm upon your shoulders and the weight of circumstances and situations, and it's very real. And whatever you, your faith level is, God just wants to take it up a notch and help you to grow through it and grow it. And, um, and he says, and you know, it's an interesting thing with this thing, that Jesus stands up and he speaks to wind like it's a person. And he says, be still, peace, be still. And the, winds, the wind dies down, the waves go flat. And the storm is in an instant, it's still. And Jesus is the creator. And you can appreciate the creation has to be submissive to the creator. And I want to tell you, there's nothing in your life that God didn't create. And it's got to be submissive. When God speaks over your life and you know what the word of God says, it's got to be obedient to God's commands. Amen. It's got to be obedient to God's command. So that's why reading the Bible is incredibly powerful. Because when you get a revelation of a truth and you're in the midst of a storm, I mean, you can speak to that storm, not just you, but with all the weight of heaven behind you and faith in that word. And you can stand on the word of God and it can become powerful. That's what we, that's what we need. And you watch the circumstances change as you trust Him. Now, when that may happen, I don't know. We'd love it to happen like now, God, anytime now. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you've got to pray again and give a grand, that persistent prayer, isn't it? Um, but uh, it says the disciples who are a picture of you and me, it says, in, in the, it says they feared exceedingly uh, in the old King James. Or better translation is they were in awe. They were in awe of the storm. That means wonder and astonishment. They, just, they, this, this, they feared exceedingly the storm. Now, the interesting thing is... Um, that, you know, the interesting thing is they changed their focus from the, being in awe of the storm. They then saw Jesus calm the storm and they were in awe of him. And, you know, that's what we've got to change our focus. Whatever has your focus has your life. Whatever has your... So, you know, 
Uh, if we could change our focus from the storm and being all of our Heavenly Father. That's why the Bible says, as you've heard many times, come on, glorify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. The word glorify means make God bigger than the problem. Glorify. It literally can mean magnify. Magnify, it says in the Psalms, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. In other words, make Him bigger than the storm. It's the only way the storm's going to get little is you make him bigger. And you know, the truth is, if you would, the way that you starve the storm is don't give it attention. Just don't give it attention, it'll be starved because storms feed off worry, fear, and anxiety. That's what storms feed off. But if you don't give it that attention, but all you have is faith and hope, and you're magnifying and you're making God bigger, the storm starves and the storm fades out often see um, the disciples were in awe of the waves or in awe of the wind and then they become in awe of Lord Jesus Christ and that's who we know to become awe of can I have the musicians come tonight that'd be great <coughs> I just got a couple more things I want to share with you that I think are really important see the disciples asked a really good question they, they asked the question, who is this? They said, who is this? Um, that even the last verse, that even the wind and the sea obey him. Who is this? Well, it's Jesus, of course. It's a rhetorical question, or ask. In other words, a question they didn't want to answer for because they knew the answer already. But they were just in awe. They were amazed that this man, Jesus, the wind and the waves obeyed him. But I want to tell you a better question tonight give you a better question and I've already intimated already a better question would have been when the storm was all breaking out across their boat and filling their boat up and Jesus is asleep a better question would have been this um, who is this that even the wind and the waves don't wake him that even the wind and the waves don't wake him can't disrupt his sleep because he's at much peace I reckon that's a great question isn't it that's a great question because we can take, take our direction from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That even in the wind and the waves can't wake him. The peace of God that surpasses the faith in his heart that he was going to... When he laid his head down to sleep, he had total trust in his heavenly father. And we can do that with our heavenly father. Um, who is this who sleeps through storms? Oh, we can. Some of us lose sleep because... Of, Element, I know what that's like, elements of anxiety or worry or concern about stuff. Or maybe just our body's going through something and it mightn't be worry. I understand that can happen sometimes. It can just be times when you're just not quite, it's just your body might be functioning different or hormones or whatever. But the reality is that sometimes we lose it, sleep is because of that concern about the future. Jesus says, come on. I think Jesus says tonight, you can sleep through storms as well. Storms can become, uh, as you're in awe of me. I, um, when, when our eldest daughter was uh, 14 years of age, she contracted some, stum, some kind of um, bug in her stomach. And we're not quite sure to this day really what it was. Um, but from the age of 14 to 19, in, in, in some instances, it was daily that she'd just be sick, just feeling 
nauseous and not good. And, and, and you know, at least every month it, it would happen. And I know that might have been part of her hormones as well. But the reality was that sometimes daily. And, and it was of great concern to me and Michelle. And we used to pray and pray and cry out to God. And we continued to do that. And, and to be honest, um, we're still doing that today because sometimes it just, it, it still rears its ugly head. Um, I remember the time I got, she was working at the mall here in Gladstone as an 18, 19 year old. And I got a call and the manager of the shop, a diva, it was called Diva. And they said, look, could you come and get Gabrielle? She's collapsed here on the floor. I mean, she's conscious, but she's not well. So I went in there and I had to push her out of the mall in a wheelchair. Always remember that day. And, and I wasn't embarrassed about it. I was just so sad for my daughter. Thinking, Father, what is happening here in her life? That this has continued for the last five years to plague her, and 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 you know, she was losing weight. She she was a great netball player, and, it, and she just couldn't do it anymore. And and the, and there was just her body; it was becoming quite skinny in that. And there was concern in our heart as parents. She loved the Lord. She was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I mean, she was passionate about God. And and then um, you know, as we continued to pray, about nineteen at the age of nineteen, we started to see improvements. And that was a long season for us. We started to continue to see improvements, and to this day, she's healthy and whole, and she'd probably, I love her weight now, but she'd probably say she's got too much weight, but I just think she looks so much better. Now, there's occasion when she still gets that, something comes back, and, and she just doesn't feel well, but you know, the reality is she's holding down a management position with Country Road. She was a youth pastor for two years at a church, and and, and she's just going well. She's married to a great young man. And, you know, it's just, it's just exciting. But it's, it was, it, there was a season there. We just wondered what would happen and what the future hold. And it really, every time we'd step, take a step, it just didn't seem to be an answer. And, you know, maybe tonight in your life, it just doesn't seem to be an answer. It just seems to be, every time you take a step, it's just fog. <laughs> What's the answers? And maybe you're, you're cool with that because you know God's, gonna be, it's gonna, God's always there. But tonight, if there's just new faith levels that need to be instilled in your heart, i just love to pray with us tonight. Say, Father, I just want some fresh faith. And you can't necessarily get that by me praying, but we can agree together and let God's Holy Spirit touch lives and minister and change circumstances. Maybe you're here tonight and there's just something that wants to captivate your attention. You've just got to, you just want it stopped. You don't want that thing to rule. You want it to be broken in the name of Jesus. I'd love to just pray with you tonight. If you're, had a, if you're fed up with being, with that, I believe God wants to bring wholeness and health to you or whatever it may be or a breakthrough and break down that which the enemy wants to bring against you. Whatever it may be, it may be that you just want to say, Father, more faith just to trust you. Lean in. I want to lean into you more. Could we stand together tonight? Or maybe there's a struggle happening it might be that you've got no issue, but you just say, Father, more, more of your touch, more of your presence, more of you in my life. Mm. You just, I want you to just come forward for prayer tonight. Not just me, I'm just going to ask our prayer team to come and just pray tonight and stand with you. You know, folks, He wants to do more than we think He does. He wants more for our lives than we realize. Um, and I invite you tonight, just not coming to me or the church, you're coming to our Heavenly Father. And I believe He wants to touch and anoint and speak over people's lives, words of encouragement tonight. Father, Lord, so we just, Holy Spirit, have your way. So tonight, you're welcome. You're welcome. Maybe, you know, you're facing a storm. Maybe you're not, but you're just saying, Father, more of you. More of you. Come on. 
Let's pray. Let's uh, sing this song. And you come tonight. Let the Holy Spirit minister to your heart. Come on. Thank you, Father. We praise you. Thank you, Father. I will call upon your name. Yes, Lord. I just want the team to come and Dave, Teresa, and Michelle. If you just want to come and support someone tonight, come and stand behind them and stand with them tonight. Behind them would be great. Just more of you.